0: Hello and welcome to another episode of CMO Convo, the podcast where we pick the brains of leading CMOs and marketers to get to the bottom of the biggest questions facing marketing. This time we're joined by John Miller, CMO of Demandbase to share his insights on how many brands are losing perspective on accounts-based marketing and should be approaching it as ABX, accounts-based experiences. This episode brought to you by Deep Crawl. Savvy CMOs know that SEO has never been a more important part of their marketing mix ranking at the top of google search results has a direct impact on revenue by lowering customer acquisition costs but content and keyword optimization is only part of the picture following recent search engine updates your overall website health and technical performance are key to ranking well in 2021 and beyond with deep all-in-one technical seo and website health platform your team will have the tools it needs to track your website's technical performance improve page ranking and stay top of mind with customers by staying top of the search results in google Join leading brands who already use Deepcrawl, including teams at Adobe, eBay, Twitch, PayPal, Microsoft, and Canva. Visit deepcrawl.com to ensure your brand reaches its full revenue potential through the one initiative most marketing teams overlook, technical SEO. Hi, John. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. And I'm very excited about this conversation because I feel like people are only just getting to grips with abm accounts based marketing so you're taking this to another level so i'm very interested to hear your thoughts about why this is needed and what the advantages are uh, but before we get into that maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience tell us a bit about your professional background and what what your role as a cmo looks like at demand base
1: sure yeah so i am i'm cmo of demand base we are a, a go-to-market plat a b2b go-to-market platform so we yeah. help companies uh, get their sales and marketing to really accelerate revenue really working with an account based approach um, you know so some from my background I've been in marketing technology pretty much my entire career uh, starting at a company called Epiphany uh, and then in 2005 uh, I was one of the co-founders and the first CMO of marketo which obviously has become a big marketing automation vendor these days um, and that you know that that you know I really helped to build the among other things, the sort of go-to-market function at Marketo, where we, you know, really drank our own champagne and did things like <laughs> demand gen and lead nurturing and lead scoring, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So good nine-year run at Marketo. Uh, stayed uh, after the IPO, but then I left before the private equity sale to Vista. I'd sort of gotten the itch to, you know, start another company, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> this time as CEO. So in 2015, um, I left Marketo to start Engageo. Uh, and you know, really, the opportunity I saw with Engageo was that account-based marketing was sort of becoming a big thing. I had tried to do account-based marketing back at Marketo using Marketo. And while the tactic worked well, it was really hard <laughs> to do with the technology I had. And that's sort of what inspired the opportunity for Engageo to sort of you know, fill in the technology gaps that I saw when I was trying to do ABM myself. So you know, five years at Engageo, and the interesting thing about ABM is that, especially in the early days, it meant a lot of things to different people. And the kind of ABM that we built with Engageo was kind of like middle of the funnel, really about kind of understanding accounts, that you, were, that you knew about and like engaging with sales or extreme interactions. But there's this whole other style of ABM people were practicing, which is more like a digital top of the funnel ABM. Mm-hmm. Things like intent to identify accounts that are in market, addictive analytics, advertising to track them to your site and so on. And that's what Demandbase was really good at. And so I started to, Demandbase, I started talking to the Demandbase CEO. We realized that everything that they wanted to build with stuff engage you already had. Everything engage you wanted to build with stuff Demand Base already had. And the combination would be like a super platform, you know, that we felt would really sort of dominate the category. So um, we decided to merge the two companies uh, during the pandemic in 2020 uh, and worked, you know, moved like the wind to actually integrate the platforms, which we delivered as demand one at the end of last year. And that's kind of when I took over the CMO role at Demand Base.
0: Awesome. So that's kind of the story. So, is, it, is ABX basically like? Is it the synergy of these two approaches? It's bringing these together. Is this how you develop the idea of, of ABX? Is that is that kind of how it came about?
1: Yes and no. You know, so so you know, you're referring to ABX. I don't know if we've we've mentioned that yet. You know, so so ABX is, stands for account based experience, and in many ways. ABX to me is really is just the way we should have been doing ABM all along. You know, here's what I mean by that. If you go, let's go back to like my days at Marketing when we were doing demand gen and lead nurturing. And we would only pass a lead to sales when it was ready, like when the signs indicated they were ready to talk to a salesperson. This was good for the salespeople because they didn't have to talk to leads that didn't want to talk to them. And it was good for the buyer because they didn't get unwanted calls from salespeople. So there was almost like a respect for the buyer experience that traditional demand gen had. You know. And as we started practicing ABM, you know, at Marketo, at Engageo, even at Demandbase, what, the, you know, what, what ABM did was allowed you to reach out to accounts who weren't otherwise, that you were interested in, who weren't otherwise coming you know, into your, responding to your campaigns. Um, and it was very precise and targeted way to sort of say, I want that account, I'm gonna reach out to them. And I started using an analogy to describe the, the difference of ABM versus demand gen. Demand gen is like fishing with a net. You, know, you throw it out there, you got your campaign, you catch fish, you don't care which one specifically you catch, you just care, did I catch enough? And account-based marketing is fishing with the spear. You know, you find those big fish and you poof, kind of go after them. But, you know, if you fast forward through a couple of years of this, what I realized is the way we were practicing ADN, you know, was that we were reaching out to accounts regardless of whether they had any interest in hearing from us.
0: So it's like right. throwing we were- loads of spears rather than throwing just the one spear kind of thing to use the... Yeah, but,
1: you know, I mean, if i like to say, no matter what, it doesn't feel very good to get poked by a spear. You know? <laughs> and and, and the, the way we're practicing ABM didn't, had lost that respect for the buyer experience of really trying to only align the more, I'll say, aggressive sales outreach to the right time. And that's what really inspired account-based experience. You know, is, is, it's not like the next generation of ABM. It's just, you know, the way ideally ABM should be practiced all along, you know, which is align how you are marketing and selling to the account to where that account is in its journey.
0: So, so it's not necessarily the next step. It's cutting out the chaff of what ABM turned into rather than what it should have been, the pure ABM.
1: Yeah, it's refi- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's refine. It, it, it's, it's a better. It's a way to describe a better way how it should be done. The other advantage of ABX is just in the name. You know, account. The problem with account based marketing is it has one department in the name of the title, and you know we've all learned that an account based strategy needs synergy between sales and marketing to work. So that's the other advantage of account based experience. It's just it's a bigger umbrella that lets you know <laughs> that invites the sales department and the SDR department in and really helps them understand this is a strategy for everyone.
0: And and ABM should have had sales involved all the way through from the beginning, but just the do you think it was just the title that was causing this kind of division? Was it is it just did it just need the title change? Is that what you're saying? Or um, I mean, is, it, is certain, it a bigger, bigger over the thing year, than that? people
1: attempted different names. I've heard account-based revenue, account, I mean account-based sales and marketing. For a while i talked about account-based everything
0: um
1: you know and so a lot of people including myself have been dissatisfied with account-based marketing as the name because it was such a misnomer to what how we should actually be practicing this thing
0: okay Uh, maybe we should go into some of the some of the details about what sets abx apart from abm or what what abx is doing that abm should have been doing initially when it comes to a go-to-market strategy like what what are the principles of abx that we should be following
1: Okay, I I would say the principles of ABX are the principles of what ABM should have been, right? (laughs) So it does start with precision and targeting. Be very smart about which accounts you wanna go after and why and all that kind of thing. But then, you know, and then it's really building, I think, a a strong account intelligence layer um, so that you can understand you know, as much as you can about these accounts, <clears throat> what's going to be relevant. And I think for ABX, the most important thing to understand is where is that account in its journey? So, you know, different companies should have different, could, might define different journey stages, but I'll, I'll give you like a generic one just for the purpose of talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so like at the very top, you might have, um, you know, a, a stage you call qualified. Yeah. These are accounts that you would love to sell to, right? They look like good accounts, they're in your ideal customer profile, but they're otherwise completely cold, right? They're not showing any engagement or very little engagement with you or your category. Then maybe there's an aware stage Mm -hmm. where these accounts are a good fit and they're showing at least some interest in your category, but they're still not really connecting to you and your brand. You then might have a stage called engaged. All right, now they're starting to show up on your website, read some of your content, go to your webinars, which is great. But they're still not showing that sign of maybe being ready to engage with the salesperson. then the magic stage is one that I like to call the marketing qualified account or MQA. This is obviously a play on the classic marketing qualified lead MQL. Um, and it's sort of like, Hey, this account seems to be showing the behaviors and the signs that indicate it might actually be time for sales to reach out. You know, we're in a buying cycle. And then from there after MQA, maybe there's a meeting stage an opportunity stage, customer stage, post-sale stages and so on. So you can think about this account waterfall or funnel or journey or kind of whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of account intelligence that goes into understanding where that account is. But then the key is align your go-to-market to to that stage. So if I have an account that's in the qualified stage, right? I should not have my salespeople calling them, right? I shouldn't even really be trying to get them to like watch my demo or something because they don't even know the problem exists yet, right? So here, I really should be focusing on building my brand. I'm just building awareness, you know, and things like advertising can work really well there. The key though is to not focus on logic too much. This is emotion, right? Branding, brands work on emotion. All right? so can you just really start to build a little bit of that aura, if you will, um, for the qualified stages? As they start to become aware, maybe a little bit engaged with you, you know, now you can start kind of bringing more logic to the table. Start engaging with them with things like, thought leadership, best practices, um, send them the podcast, you know, that has relevant information, things like that. You know, and again, you're still not trying to like, you're not trying to like, hey, can I have a meeting? Are you free next Tuesday? You know, but you're you're starting to kind of engage and help them kind of really structure and understand that there's a, you know, that there's a a solution that can maybe help them with their business challenges. And all the time you're sort of watching for the signs that they might be coming MQA. And we should talk about intent data and how you do that you know, in a second. But when that happens, now it's a great time for your salespeople to reach out, for your SDRs to call, maybe have an executive to executive interaction um, and so on. You know, all the way down to once I get an opportunity, you know, typically what happens when a deal's an opportunity is the buying committee expands. The number of people you need to talk to gets bigger. So now your go-to-market should be about how am I touching as many members of the buying committee as possible to build consensus and, val- and validation about kind of the decision-making process. Okay. So that's a lot of information, but you know, as I said, it's just account intelligence to understand where the account is in its journey. And then you're really using different tactics and strategies for accounts in different stages.
0: Okay, is, is this sort of like a, a one size fits all to know when an accounts in different stages, or is it is it something that's unique to each sort unique to each account almost, or is it unique to a business model?
1: I mean, so bbx generally is not one size fits all. You know, it has a lot to do with the size of the account and the the value. Maybe we should come back to that. You know, I think as I said, the stages. I mean, every company is going to slightly define their stages a little differently to match their unique business, but you know. If if you if you just go with something sort of roughly as simple as, you know, qualified but not aware, aware, engaged, MQA, those are roughly, you know, big enough buckets that I think it's re- you know relatively applicable across companies. Um, yeah, but like if we if we nuance it a little bit more, you know, how are you going to define if an account is in the engaged stage? You know. It, Let's just say it's a 25 person startup, right? They're probably engaged if you have one, maybe two people kind of interacting with you, right? If it's a 10,000 person enterprise, you're gonna definitely wanna be seeing probably more activity than one or two, just to be able to say, hey, that account is actually engaged. So there's again, some nuances like that.
0: Okay, and when you talk about account intelligence, what, what, what do you mean by that? Let's get, let's get some more specifics on, on that. Like what, what does account intelligence mean? Is it just lead scoring or is it, is it more complicated than that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it is more sophisticated than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, account intelligence in general is you know, sort of the ability to use all your um, first party data, the data that you know about the account uh, from your CRM, from your marketing automation, from your website, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then combine that with quality, accurate, third-party data, you know? And so I'll just kind of give you some, some examples, yeah. right? So for example, you know, we've talked about the journey stage, I think is a really key piece of account intelligence. You know, another one that I just barely alluded to is intent data. You know, so, and I'm really talking about third-party intent. So third, So, just a quick definition, third-party intent data is where you're able to sort of monitor what an account, what what content an account is reading out on the open web and use that to start to find patterns of what topics they're interested in. And when they're surging, kind of showing, you know, new interest. Um, and it's, it's privacy compliant because you're not tracking individual people. You're just really kind of, you know, map to the account level and say, hey, this account tends to be interested in this kind of stuff. The Intent data helps you with account intelligence in two ways. One, if you know an account generally is reading about cybersecurity, you know, then that tells you, you know, something about what they might be interested in, you know, and it also kind of, high, you know, suggests language you might use when talking to them. And then, as I alluded to, if you see like a spike or a trend, in, wow, they're doing a lot more research around cybersecurity. That might be a sign that they're entering that MQA stage and it's time to reach out. You know, a third type of account intelligence is just their firmographics, the company information. You know, the industry that they're in tells you a lot about what business challenges they might be facing. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And then I guess I'll, I'll wrap You know, this with, with um, a category that we've become really interested in, which is uh, technographics or install-based technologies. You know, th- obviously, this is relevant for other technology companies, but in many cases, knowing the other pieces of technology that account has installed is one of the most important indicators that tells you if that's a good fit for you. You know, like I work with a company that does cloud-based ETL software. Right. They really want to know if the company's using Snowflake or not. You know, <laughs> put, put a more simply for me at Demand Base, you know, I want to know are you on Marketo or Eloqua or HubSpot or Pardot? Are you on Salesforce or are you on, you know, Dynamics? You know, because not only does it tell me if I'm interested, if you're a good fit for me, it also lets me uh, reach out in a more relevant way. If I know you just bought Drift for your conversational marketing tool, I can reach out to you and talk about how well I use, how well I integrate with Drift. You know, so, oh, and then the last thing technographics can be really cool about is you can start to find patterns. You know, companies actually follow predictable patterns in how they buy technology. So, you you know, if you know they bought this technology A and then technology B, there's a pretty good chance six months from now, they're looking at technology C. <laughs> you know, which it's, it's another kind of intent when you think about it.
0: Yeah, I really like the idea of technographics. I always thought about, Integ- like platform integration as being something that happens sort of like after the sale or like midway through the sale, but having that before you even get to that stage as part of the, the intent stage, it sounds like a very interesting approach. It sounds like an approach that a lot, of, a lot of SaaS companies need to take a look at, definitely. Um, yeah. is, is that a big part of ABX? Is that a big part of like the core principles using that technographic data or is that just something that you use as part of your own system? Um,
1: it's not uncommon. <laughs> is, is what I'll say. Um, you know, and it depends, obviously, on the, what platform you're using and whether you have access to it and you know, some of that kind of stuff. But you know, like, what I will tell you is like our, our predictive models find that for most, for, for actually many, the majority of technology companies, the technographics are actually the most predictive factor in terms of who's a good fit for them. It matters more than industry or size. Wow. So it is, it is pretty important stuff. But so back to the account intelligence, you see this, yes. all these things kind of flying around, you know, that again, combining first party data, third party data, you know, intent, technographics, firmographics, even co- contacts, you know, and when you can really bring all that together, match it to the right account, de anonymize uh, web traffic to know what account it's coming from, you start to really form that foundation that lets you be really smart about how you interact with accounts
0: it, it sounds to me it's not just an advantage to to you like approaching the accounts but it sounds like an advantage to the account as well because you've taken a lot, care of a lot of the legwork before you even approach them you've taken care of like a lot of, like the initial questions that you might ask them or try to find out from them you've done all that work beforehand like what, what are the other advantages of abx and this account intel- intelligence approach to, like, yeah. to the customers, not just to the companies. Like what advantages do the customers get from this approach?
1: I mean, when done well, right, course, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it means the interactions are relevant and timely, which, you know, I think i you know, like I am pretty anti-marketing, even though I'm a marketer. I mean, I
0: <laughs> Brave I, words I, from a CMO, brave words, yeah.
1: Yeah, I hit spam on like so, you know, the spam button on so many emails a day, you know, I don't just hit delete, I hit spam, you know, if if you're emailing me and I'm not interested and, you know, not relevant, Um, you know, I have my TiVo, I skip my ads, I mean, like, I I pretty actively try to avoid as much marketing as I can and selling as I can. And yet, you know, when I'm interested in something, you know when I'm, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, when it's actually the right time, the doors open up. You know, like I want to hear about who's got good, op- you know, solutions for me. I want to, I want to learn about it, um, and it's valuable. Like a good, relevant, you know, interaction actually is valuable if it's at the right time.
0: Is, you is, know? That, is that what ABX is about? It's about all providing value all the way through the customer journey then is that is that relevant trusted
1: interactions you know at every stage of the buyer's journey i mean i actually use the definition you know uh, (laughs) abx is a b2b go-to-market strategy that uses data and intelligence to provide relevant trusted interactions through every stage of the buying journey you know that's sort of my formal definition
0: there you go there you go Um,
1: the trusted piece i think is interesting in there as well um you know, I, I, I talked about brand a little bit yeah. earlier and, you know, historically brand doesn't get a lot of airtime in discussions about pipeline generation and revenue and <laughs> demand and brand is sort of like this other squishy thing. And I really think that there's a much deeper synergy between brand and demand than um, it usually gets credit for. And especially in B2B, I think trust and brand go hand in hand. Um, you know, the classic phrase of nobody ever got fired for buying IBM, you know, <laughs> is that that's a form of trust. Like if you go with IBM, you can trust me. You know, like, like it's trusted, it's safe. You know, but I think you know, fear, uncertainty and doubt or FUD are such a big factor in B2B you know, if we could just, if the more we can build trust, you know, with our buyers, you know, and with, with, the, with the companies, uh, the better, you know. And so, anyway, that's no, where the word comes from in the definition.
0: And But that, that's where, that's where brand comes in, isn't it? I was, I was actually writing, I was actually working on a piece about ABM recently and there was a stat that came up on it. It was something like only 3% of your potential accounts are active buyers at the time. The rest are... In those stages that you were talking about earlier and the majority are in the stage like completely cold they don't even know who you are but having a good brand raising your brand awareness is an effective way of getting yourself on that radar and start pushing them towards the the buying intent stage like without a brand you can't do that I mean, i think that's something that as you said a lot of b2b companies are missing is the importance of brand building so is that, is that something that,
1: great, yeah, that 3%, it, it sort of matches anecdotally what I see, but it's interesting that, that that's, you know, somebody's done some research on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It did shock me as well. Like you think 3%, that's so low, but then you think about the exercise you can take to push people into that 3%. Is that something that's part of ABX is these sort of brand building exercises, these kind of laying the groundwork exercises that kind of get missed out from maybe traditional ABM strategies?
1: I think so. I think so, you know, I mean, you could, I mean, I, in my book, I sort of position it almost like as a phase zero, you know, I like that. Yeah, it is a little bit just found it's the foundation of kind of on which everything else is kind of sitting. Um, but you know, the, the reality is, you know, you could, you know, you could have the best ABX or ABM program um, ever. And if your brand isn't very good, you're gonna face headwinds every step of the way, right? And it's just gonna be really hard to make that ABX program work.
0: Yeah, like if, if people don't know who you are, then they're not gonna buy from you. Like, it doesn't matter how or many- know who you are, involved. but then they don't think so positively. Uh, that's, even that's even worse, it's even worse. It's harder <laughs> you know? to change people's minds from a negative to a positive than it is from yeah. a neutral or, to a positive.
1: Or, you know, so, <laughs> you know, whereas, whereas, you know, and, and flip side is true. You could have pretty mediocre, abm programs in place but if your brand is awesome everything is going to look amazing (laughs) look at me all these engaged accounts
0: yeah yeah i mean that's the advantage of having a big name brand but i feel like abm tends to appeal more to the enterprise stage isn't it when people aren't necessarily on like everyone's radar and that's when you need to engage with the the abm process and the abx process i suppose as well kind of fits into that
1: For me, it's more about um, uh, aligning to the sort of size of the potential deal.
0: Uh Nice. I like that approach. Yeah.
1: Like if you're selling sub 20, like deals that are sub $25,000 US, let's say, you're not going to really use ABX. It just doesn't make sense. You know, it's it's not cost effective. Mm -hmm. You know, on the other hand, let's say you're Accenture. And you're selling a half billion dollar, you know, contract, you know, to you know, whatever. Pretty much guarantee you're doing one to one, completely bespoke marketing, you know, for that account. And then everything else falls somewhere in between, you know. So whether it's it's bespoke one to one, one to few, one to many, um, I think it's it's really about the right the right motions, you know, for for the different size. Deals. You now, even if I go back to like the other analogy I had of the, of the journey stages, and you're trying to engage with these, you're trying to connect with the engaged accounts, right? To move them to the MQA, it's logic, it's thought leadership. You know, again, if it's a million dollar potential account, maybe you do that by FedExing them an iPad that has a customized video recorded just for them on the iPad, right? Where if it's a $50,000 account, maybe, you know, you're just sending them a, uh, a digital ebook that has their name on the cover, right? So, you know, it, it's, it, anyway, yeah, so it's, it's, it's you know, even within the same kind of set of stages we talked about, you know, the other dimension is potential deal size.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I think you have kind of touched on some of the components that you need to be able to do ABX. Let's talk about the, like, the nitty-gritty, like, what do organizations need in terms of like tech stack organizationally what do they need in place in order to really excel with abx
1: i mean the most important thing honestly is good alignment uh, between sales and marketing Um, you know i've seen companies really tackle an abm program uh, purely in marketing generate good engagement from accounts And then sales really couldn't care, (laughs) you know. Like these, I'm not interested. You know, I don't want to pursue these accounts. Whereas if sales picks the accounts and they're like, these are the accounts I really want, and then marketing can show up and say, look, we got engagement at that account, then you know, much more exciting. Um, You know, the I like analogies, so you know, I'm full of them. You know, the the old demand gen world. Sales and marketing was like a lead baton, like a, 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 a baton pass yeah. in, in a relay race. Um, in this world, it's much more like a soccer or football team where you've got people in different positions and they're passing the ball back and forth, uh, but they're really working together, you know, to kind of you know engage accounts. Uh, I was on a call yesterday with the CRO of one of our customers, you know, talking about. Uh, you know, marketing sourced pipeline versus sales sourced pipeline, you know, versus SDR sourced pipeline. And my advice was, especially in this ABM world, that you should just blow all that up. You know, there's no such thing as marketing sourced pipeline. There's there's us sourced pipeline. You know, and pretty much if you're going after these bigger accounts with ABM motion, you know, you're going to have touches from marketing and SDR and sales at different levels of that account. You know, and so that's. I think it's an important, kind of mindset shift. But yeah, so most important, most important prerequisite is good, good alignment. You did ask about tech. Um, you know, the reality is you can get started in an account based program without a lot of new tech. I mean, I did at Marketo. You know, just you know, just trying to kind of brute force it. Um, you know, and the issue is it's harder to scale it. And it's can be pretty time consuming on your operations teams. So when you want to start thinking about investing in technology, you know, is a couple of vectors, you know, mostly when you want to scale. Uh, and then kind of secondarily when you want access to certain kinds of account intelligence that you just don't naturally otherwise have. Those are kind of the, the main places people tend to start on the tech side.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so, when it comes to account intelligence, is that are there are there sort of platforms that do this really well, like a one-stop shop kind of thing, or is it is it just something you've got to put together the pieces separately to build sort of like an account intelligence system?
1: Well, I mean, that is what DemandBase does. So, you know, certainly you can get that plugin
0: if you want. You can get that plugin if you want. That's completely fine. Yeah, I
1: mean you know, I mean, very much demand-based. We start with that account intelligence layer and then we use, you know, then we sell for clouds that can activate that intelligence, right? So you could activate that through your ABX programs. You can activate it through your advertising. You can activate it just by giving insights into your sales team, you know, or if you want to just buy our account intelligence and put it into your data lake, we'll do that too, you know? And so certainly kind of we're, we're a player there you know, to to sort of a lesser or different degree, you know, you have folks like Zoom Info that can sell you a lot of the pieces to it. You know, Zoom Info's challenge has always been that they don't help you activate the intelligence as well. You know, and they're making acquisitions rapidly to change that. You know, but historically, um, there's that. You know, and then, you know. The other ABM platforms, like the Sixth Sense or Terminus, are kind of trying to do some you know, pieces of it. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I think that those are just kind of the the main vectors of where you're going to kind of see vendors
0: for account intelligence. Yeah, so there, there, there's plenty of options out there. Um, so you talked about alignment. Let's go back to that because CMOs are going to have to have that conversation to get people aligned. Like it is often going to be the CMO's driving. The, the implementation of these kinds of strategies. What advice do you have for CMOs to start off that conversation? What, how would you get like, the head of sales or the CEO on board with this kind of uh, implementation of a new system? Well, maybe if they've only just been going with ABM for a few years and they're seeing success with that, why make the change? Why make a shift to a new way of doing ABM? Oh, well, a better way of doing ABM.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're already doing ABM, I mean, ABX should just feel very natural, right? Okay. Again, it's, it's not like, it's not ABM 2.0. Yeah. you
0: know,
1: it's, It is just the way we should be doing ABM, you know, all along. Because ABM is, should be about relevance and, you know. Um, the, the only tricky part probably is getting sales to agree to kind of hold back sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, maybe we shouldn't call that account quite yet. You know, cause, cause, cause they're not ready. Um, you know, I, you know, and, and that to me just kind of comes the way I handle that, to be honest, you know, is I tell them, look, you can call whoever you want, you know, <laughs> but my goal is to give you enough warm, hot, good MQAs that of course you should spend your time calling those and you don't need to think about going to call into kind of, you know, the other ones. And if I'm not doing my job well enough that there's enough MQAs, then yeah, probably maybe you should start calling into some of those accounts, but please use all the account intelligence to be as relevant as possible. You know. So again, that, that's generally, it's kind of not that hard. The, the bigger challenge that companies have is if they're very much in like a lead traditional motion, but they want to migrate to more of this account-based world. Cause it's not so easy to sort of change that engine while the plane's in the air. Um, ABM programs can take longer to develop pipeline. The deals that they create tend to be larger. You tend to win them more often. <laughs> they tend to retain better. There's lots of long-term benefits, but they can take longer to build. So, you know, a but what, what companies shouldn't do is. You know, on day one, like just drop all their traditional demand gen programs and then start ABM programs, because you'll go through a dip uh, that nobody would be very happy about. Um, And so, you know, the the you know, like many things, like just the way you sort of convince your CEO and the sales team to sort of start moving account based direction tends to be by like thinking big but starting small. You know, have a pilot. You know, layer layer on some account-based programs on top of what you're already doing. Um, shifts in budget around. You know, we saw a lot of that happen during COVID where people all of a sudden had budget free up because they weren't doing these big trade shows anymore. It's a great opportunity to move those to more like an account-based advertising program. You know, and so you know you sort of start to do some things and like hey look this is working and measure it and then that
0: builds the case to do more over time. But then is that layered is that sort of layered sort of hybrid system is that sustainable is there like a time frame where you have to say like listen this isn't working or this is working we should make the big switch over like or, or is it is it dependent on the, the company in, in your experience like is there is there an oh. ideal time to try, try all those systems out for
1: I'll go back to your deal sizes, right? You know, like yeah. like well, you should ultimately be using the right go-to-market for your deal sizes. Um, there are a lot of companies that are gonna span across multiple styles, you know, even at demand base, even though we're an EBM company, you know, we also do traditional demand generation because that's what's appropriate for some of our deal sizes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. You know,
1: so I don't know if there's ever like a binary switch you know, for, for most companies, it's, it's about just like moving your mix of dollars around. Um, you know, if you are in a company like us where you are kind of doing some of both, you know, you might that might lead you to actually start tracking what uh, the analyst firm Topo calls a double funnel, right? Where you, you know, might have a lead-based funnel for your demand gen programs, as well as an account-based funnel for your more account-based programs and that's okay you know i mean I've, I've had customers worry like i'm trying to do abm but i can't it doesn't work with all my lead-based
0: stuff it's okay you know use the right go-to-market for your deal sizes and, and maybe that's a that's a good way of getting other departments on board you're, you're saying like we're not completely starting from scratch we're not getting rid of all the all the stuff that's been working for us so far, we're just adding a new system or evolving certain systems to in a certain direction that's gonna help us land bigger deals at the end of the day. Like that's a, a great way to talk about it from, from my perspective. Um, is that something you think about when you're, um, when you're approaching well?
1: Yeah, the, the reality is, is
0: salespeople
1: tend to really like marketing, taking an account first approach, right? You know, like, if, if you as a marketer sit down with a salesperson, like, you know, what are, you know, and you can say, what are the 30 accounts you care about the most? Let's talk about how we're going to market to those 30. That there's pretty much no salesperson in the world who's like, <laughs> going to be like, well, you're being stupid, you
0: know,
1: like, <laughs> you know, uh, it, but it goes back, as I said earlier, like it's got to start with the salesperson caring about the accounts.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I suppose, yeah, it's always, Sales are obviously be happy to feel like they're in the in the driving seat as well when it comes to the direction that you're taking the marketing because you you're basically saying to them, tell us who to market to when it comes to the ABM and ABX. Is that what you're saying? Am I am I getting getting it the right way around there? I don't I don't want to be making a mistake. Yeah, with know, I mean, about
1: there's a whole big chapter on this in my book. It's worth there's a little more detail than we have time to share here on the podcast. But ultimately, I like the process to be um marketing driven but sales owned so you know it starts by basically def- to to summarize you know write down and actually document how you are going to treat different tiers of accounts right and i talked about one to one one to few one to many earlier so if you have a one to one account what are you going to do i'm going to send them ipads with videos you know i'm going to spend you know Four thousand dollars a month advertising to them. You know, blah, blah blah blah. Write write down your entitlements for each of these different tiers. And what's that going? That, what that's going to tell you ultimately is how many you can really support. Right? Okay. So at base, I can have five tier ones per rep, and thirty tier twos per rep, and about a hundred tier threes per rep. And so the by lining with sales on what the entitlements are, we're first agreeing this is what we're going to do. Now we know how many we can have. So then what we do is we give the reps a bunch of data, account intelligence about their accounts, you know, and say, you know, and different scores. Is this a good fit? Are they showing intent? What's the context of our relationship? Are they engaging? Um, and then based on that, we say, here you have this information, you go pick your top five, your top 30, your top 100. Your top you know, and so we've sort of Garkin's kind of guided the process, but they actually picked the accounts.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, as you said, like there's probably a lot more detail that we could dive into, but we don't have all day. Um, maybe one last thing, like you mentioned your book, what are the resources can CMOs look at to explore this concept more to explore ABX more? Um,
1: yeah. So in terms of my stuff, you know, my, my book, The Clearing Company Guide to Account-Based Experience, um, it's 260 pages. You can get it for free on the demand-based website. You know, I wrote it to sort of teach everything I know about how to do this stuff. So it's, it's not a demand-based commercial. I do recommend it. Um, and then if you're more of a visual person, there's a bunch of, I've got a bunch of videos on demand-based TV on our website. Um, other resources, Bev Burgess from the ITSMA has a really good book um the sort of field guide to account-based mark the practitioner's guide to account-based marketing um you know that's definitely kind of a really solid resource um but yeah beyond that the best resources come from the vendors
0: awesome awesome well thank you very much john um this has been really interesting i really like this approach um i'm sure our listeners will find it really interesting as well because i'm sure they as you said, things changed a lot in the last year. People had a lot more resources to, to play around with stuff. So maybe they're looking for the next thing they want to they try out and see where they can take their, their marketing. Um, once again, thank you, John. Thank you for joining me awesome. today. And uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, we'll be back soon with more CMO Convors.